Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Dalid. We're learning about the source for Kiddushin Kesef. How do we know that you can effectuate Kiddushin with money? We saw all the way in the beginning on Daf Bet, one source, Kiha Kiha Misede Efron, says regarding Kiddushin, Kikach Ish Isha. We're going to get come back to that derivation. But on yesterday's daf, we saw another derivation, which was via se'ah hinam and kasef. You have this double language regarding an ama ivriya, once she reaches an age of na'arut or bagrut, as we're going to see right now, she goes free and no payment is given to the master. That master gets no payment, right? That's via se'ah hinam. The extra words, and kasef, what do you need that for? That's there to tell you a contrast this master gets no money but there is another so-called master that's a father that when a father marries off his daughter then there is a transfer of money meaning kiddushin so that's how we know two things number one that kiddushin can be done with kesef and furthermore if it's a minor girl then the money goes to her father all right that was the second derivation so let's analyze that derivation more and then we'll talk about why why do we need two derivations for the same thing. Wait a second. You're telling me that En Kasef is an extra to teach us about Kiddushin with uh, that goes the money goes to the father? Hold on, we need it for this law itself of when a minor girl goes free in Ama Ivriya. As the Braita says, the first term, Yas Achinam, that teaches that when a girl reaches Bagrut, that would be 12 and a half. We're using 12 and 12 and a half as an average. It's actually uh, when she sees two hairs, then she's uh, Na'ara, and then six months later from then uh, is when she is a Bogedet. But generally, uh, 12 is the average. So we'll say 12 and 12 and a half. So I know that she goes free when she's 12 and a half bogeret. Um, that's uh, from Yasachinam. The extra phrase and Kasef says actually it's even earlier when she is a na'ara. She already um, has a right to go free. Um, the, uh, the master has a responsibility either to marry her or marry her off to his son or if not then he has to let her go free. Okay, so that's what we need. We need the double phrase for Bagrut and Na'arut. So we don't have an extra phrase in Kasef to teach us Kiddushin. Amaravina in Kenlamakira en Kasef or read an Kasef. My en Kasef en Kasef la donze aval yesh Kasef la don acher umanihu. Ravina says, actually, I could learn two things from this phrase because it could have been written Haser without a yod. En Kasef, I mean, you know, it still could be pronounced en kesef even without a yod. The yod is just an em hakriya, it's just a vowel letter. And since it doesn't write it uh, without the yod, without the yod, I would know v'yasachinam en kesef without a yod. So then I would know that she goes free as a bogedet and as a na'ara. Why does it have the extra yod? To teach me something else that this master does not get uh, money, but there is a different master who, when the girl goes free, uh, leaves, uh, not go free, but leaves his uh, domain, that, that master does get um, uh, uh, money. And who is that master? That's a father that when he marries her off, she leaves his domain, but she, but he gets compensated. It's not really compensation, it's just a kiddushet kesef, but that's what it comes to learn. Good. Now we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent 
to ask, how do you know that you can learn something from an extra yod to begin with? Who said that? The Tanya, Vezera, and La. So now we're going to bring another Pasuk that has also the word En. Um, and which we derive something from the extra yod. Now, this pasuk is talking about a bat kohen who, when growing up, can eat teruma under her father's house. But then she goes and marries a non-kohen. While she's married to the non-kohen, she cannot have teruma. She's under that husband's domain. Now, if that they get divorced or they die and she has no ch- children uh, from that marriage, then she goes back to her father's house and she can once again eat teruma. However, that's only true if vezera en la, if she has no children. If, however, she has a child from that kohen, um, then that she is then still connected to the husband, although he's deceased, uh, she is still connected to him through the through the child that they share, and therefore she cannot eat she cannot eat teruma because um, she doesn't really go back to her father's house. She's not single anymore. Um, she's not alone anymore. She still she has a child and thereby still connected to the husband. So that's the that's the basic law, the peshat of the uh, pasuk. Now the midrash says furthermore, What if they don't have a child but they do have a grandchild? For example, if they again the bat kohen married a non kohen and they have a child. See in the case where they have, let's say, have a child and the child died. And the father died, so then she goes back to her father's house. She can eat. She can eat teruma. Um, let's say there's no children and no grandchildren. However, then she goes back. However, if she and bat kohen marries a non kohen, they have a child. That child has a child, and then the middle person dies. Right? The this uh, bat kohen's. Uh, let's say son dies, but she still has a grandson that's alive. What about in that case? Does that still keep her connected to her husband, uh, deceased husband, such that she cannot eat teruma because he was not a kohen? How do we know that? Uh, we learn it from the extra yod in this word en. Um, if it was written without a yod, I would only know about a child. But from the extra yod tells us I could read it not all as an en, but like as if it ha- ha- was read with an ayin. Ayen la. Go and investigate. Don't just look superficially to see if she has um, ch- children. Look at a next generation also to see if there are any grandchildren. So you see, we do learn something from the extra yod. And we learn even another halacha um, uh, from this extra yod. That I would, I would only know that she is connected to her deceased husband with if she has le- a legitimate child. If there was this, that was a kosher marriage and she has a perfectly kosher uh, child or grandchild. But what if, let's say, it's uh, the child is a mamzer because there was something wrong with that relationship? Um, how about how about in that case? Does she still also stay connected to her husband and cannot eat teruma? And the answer is yes, because of the extra yod. We're reading it not end, but ayen. Go and investigate and find if there's any child, whether kosher or uh, mamzer. All right. So you see, we learn from here that you can learn a halacha from an extra yod. 
But now we challenge the fact that we learned two different halachot. How could you learn two different halachot from the same thing? We already used that extra yod to teach a grandchild. Now you can't use it also to teach if the child is a mamzer. So the answer is no, we don't actually need to learn about the about a grandchild because we have a principle that a grandchild is just like a child. This is very important, right? Grandparents are essential. They have to take care of their grandchildren. Grandchildren also have to give respect to their grandparents. And so that bond, even though it's a generation apart, um, is still considered the same. And so uh, child, grandchild, I don't need a special lo- uh, pasuk to teach me that. Rather, this pasuk, the extra yod, is teaching only that a uh, if the child is not kosher, is a mamzer, pasul, even so, is still considered a child and still is sufficient to connect the wife to her husband and thereby not be able to go back to her father's house to eat terumah. Good. Okay, so now you brought me another example of where I use an extra yod um, from uh, this uh, this law of eating terumah. But how does that Tana know, right? What's the... So, What's his source that you can do such a thing? We want a source from the Torah itself. Oh, we can find it from these other pesukim that says meaning Bil'am refuses, or when someone is doing halisa, then the yevama says my brother-in-law refuses to do yibum. Right? In both cases, it means uh, it means refuses, and in both those cases, it's written without a yod. And even though in other places, like in our two cases, and kasef, and then this uh, one that we just saw, it's written with a yod. So how come sometimes the word is written with and sometimes without? Oh, so it means that the basic spelling is without. So therefore, anytime it's written with a yod, you can use that yod to derive something. All right, um, this is uh, grammatically problematic because uh, both of these examples, me'en, are not the word en. Uh, meaning not, but rather come from a root, me'en, mem alef nun, which means to refuse. It's a different root, actually, um, although there's some similarity in meaning because they're both negative words. En means not, and me'en is refuse to. Uh, so, um, uh, okay, in any case, that's the um, Gemara is contrasting the spelling, the spellings of those two words, and that's how you know an extra yod is an extra yod. Now, another question. We mentioned yesterday that there is a law that um, go to the father. Where do we learn that from? From it says, If a man sells his daughter as an ama, and it says the word bito and ama back to back, and we learn from that juxtaposition that just like with an ama, an ama ivriya, um, anything that she makes, the uh, that proceeds, the salary goes to the master. So too for a father, any uh, if a minor daughter goes and gets a job and makes stuff, then the, then the salary goes to the father. Uh, it's uh, fair because the father is uh, going to use that money to feed the daughter um, since um, uh, she is, uh, that's uh, well part of his responsibility. Um, actually, it's a question whether 
Um, uh, to what age does a father, is a father responsible to feed his, uh, his daughters, his sons? Okay, a separate question. Okay, anyway, um, we learned from there that uh, a father uh, does get the ma'aseya daim of his daughter. And we tried to, uh, yesterday, we tried to derive from that fact a proof that for Kiddushin also, just like a father gets Masayadaim, so a father should also receive the money for Kiddushin. We ended up rejecting that proof because uh, we only knew that we knew it for Ketana, what about for Ne'ada? Okay, but now we're asking, why do you have to tell us two, two different laws that um, the father gets Kiddushin, right, which we just lo- learned from uh, and Kasef, and why do you have to also tell us the law from Kim Kod Isha to that her work uh, salary goes to the father? Why can't we learn one from the other? And the answer is If you only learn learn the law of Kiddushin that goes to a father, I would say there, fine, it makes sense because she didn't do any work. She's just sitting there right looking pretty and some guy comes along and says here i want to give uh, you a a, uh, a ring um and so since she didn't work for it so it makes sense that the father should keep it but if she's going out and sewing and farming and doing work and making something and making money then i would say that she deserves it so that's why i need the pasuk regarding maaseyadeha on the other hand if you only told me that her salary goes to her father I would say, fine, that makes sense because there's a trade. The father gets the salary and in turn, he feeds his daughter. So there's a, right, there's a give and a take. But for Kiddushin, this money of Kiddushin, that comes from an external source, a third party. The suitor comes and says, here, I'm giving you money. He, the father, doesn't give the daughter anything uh, in exchange for that. So since the father is not losing out on any, anything, um, so then that money should the daughter should keep. Regarding her work, right, she is giving, but she's also getting. So it makes sense that she should give up her salary. But uh, for Kiddushin, that's just something that she, uh, she is getting. And the father's not um, the father's not losing out on anything because of it. So I might think that she should keep it, and therefore I need the other pasuk and kasef to teach me that indeed, even in that case, the father keeps the kasef kiddushin. Gufa Okay, we just quoted at the beginning of today's uh, daf. That we quoted this Baraita, that the first phrase teaches me that an Amavriya has a right to go free when she reaches Bagrut. And the extra word, extra phrase in Kasef teaches me that not only does she get out in 12 and a half, she even gets out beforehand at 12. And then the extra yod we saw is to teach us Kesef Kiddushin. Now we ask, why doesn't the Torah simply write one phrase regarding Na'arut, and I would not need a phrase regarding Bagrut if a, a girl, a Ma'ivriyah, goes free when she's a Na'ara, when she's 12, then she's already free when she's 12 and a half. I don't need, I don't need an, another, uh, another Pasuk. So why do, you have, why, do you, why do you have to give me a, a two Pesukim, one for Bagrut, one for Na'arut? Just tell me about Na'arut. And the answer is, See, neither of these are explicit. And so I need both because this one teaches me the other one. If I only had one phrase, I would say, well, I'll learn the least possible from it. I can't assume and jump to a conclusion 
conclusion that she gets that she goes free at 12 I would assume the later possibility, which would be 12 and a half. So if I had only one phrase, I would assume 12 and, a, 12 and a half. I need the second phrase to teach me not only 12 and a half, but also 12. So I need one phrase to tell me that the next phrase I can add an extra chidush. So that's why I need both. I mean, it's not explicit. It could have said explicitly, you know, she leaves. Okay, if I said that. Um, then I only would need one phrase, but that's not explicit, so I need one to tell me what the other one means. And we'll give you another example. We're having a lot, lots of fun tangents here. Um, uh, this is teaching that an Eved Ibri, uh, who is uh, owned by a Kohen, does not eat Terumah. That's interesting, Halakha. Um, although, uh, someone who is a Kohen, his wife eats Terumah, his children eat Terumah, his Eved Kena'ani and Shivcha uh, Kena'anit, they also eat Terumah because they are owned by him. And so all of his household eat Terumah. But interestingly, an Eved Ivri ama Ivriya, that is, although it's also called slavery, it's of a fundamentally different character than that for a a Eved Kena'ani, because the Eved Ivri, the Jew, is not actually owned. He is called an Eved, but it's really more like a worker. Um, and therefore is not um, owned by, not part of the uh, Kohen's household. Okay, now, um, and we're going to derive this from the as double pasuk. Uh, says, Toshab and Sachir, that uh, shall not eat of something consecrated, of Tirumah or Kodashim, of the Kohen. Why does it have a double, double word, Toshab and Sachir? Toshab teaches me that even if the Eved Ivri, uh, decides after uh, uh, six years he wants to stay and be uh, there forever, Kenan Olam, or at least until the Yovel. Um, even so, even though he's there for a long term, uh, still he is not considered part of the household and does not eat Tirumah. And Sakhir teaches me that this is also true for a slave that's there for six years, um, also does not eat Tirumah. Now, uh, you might ask, why do I need both? Why not just tell me the first one, uh, the uh, uh, the word Toshav, and leave out Sakhir? And I could make a Kavachomer on my own. I could say, if the slave who's there for 50 years doesn't eat Terumah, then all the more so, the Evedivri who's there only for six years will not eat Terumah. He's much less part of the household than the guy who's going to be there basically his whole life. And so isn't that a Kavachomer? Why, so why not just tell me Toshav and leave out Sakhir? And the answer is, because if I only had one word, Toshav, I would say I would assume the least that this is someone who was working for six years. Um, but if he was working for 50 years, um, if a slave for 50 years, then he would eat Tiruma. So I need the word Sakhir to tell me that, uh, that Toshav is um, there forever, right? So I need the uh, two words so that that will teach me that, okay, that um, I can go two steps. Not only someone who's there for six years, even someone who's there for Olam, Ebed Olam, uh, also is not part of the household sufficiently to eat 
teruma. So that's the same same idea here. Um, is uh, we need two phrases uh, to teach me vias uh, achinam and kasef to teach me bagrut and naarut. Besides the extra yod that we're not dealing with right now. Abaya says you're bringing your proof from there from the 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 slave. It's not the same. These are. These are two different types of cases. This is over there in the case of the two types of slaves. Um, these are two different people, right? We're talking about two different categories of people. And uh, therefore, even if the Pasuk said regarding Toshav Nirsa, uh, should not eat, right? And I would know, Toshav, even if it explained that this was a Nirsa, someone who's there for 50 years, does not eat. And then it wrote also Sakhir, uh, meaning six years. So I could learn, I could learn a Kavachomet. If someone who's there for 50 years does not eat Tirumah, certainly someone who's only there for six years will not eat Tirumah. But nevertheless, sometimes the Torah bothers and adds an extra word, even though you could read it from a Kavachomet, just for the sake of clarity, it'll tell you, it'll give a, give a freebie, right? You don't have to work so hard to figure out the Kavachomet. Listen, not only Toshab, also Sakhir. And it, it's fine. You can, uh, even though you can learn one case to the other case, if through a Kavachomet, it doubles it up. So that's what I could have said over there, why it's double. I could, I could learn it from a Kavachomet, but that's okay. Sometimes we double up. Um, and the Torah does have an extra word sometimes. This is an important principle, right? The Abaye is saying, sometimes the Torah ha- will have an extra word. But that's fine. It can have an extra word over there. But here, it wouldn't make sense. Because here, we're talking about the same individual person. Uh, everyone has to, before anyone who is, is a bogeret, they have to be a na'ara. We'll see one exception to that in a second. Um, but basically, in order to, to achieve um, an age of 12 and a half, you have to be 12 all first, right? So it's the very same person, not one, not two different kinds of eved ivri um, for six years and one for 50 years, but one one individual person. If she leaves when she's a na'ara, then what is she still doing? Doing there when she's a bogedit. She already went free at 12, so she wouldn't still be there at 12 and a half. And therefore, these two cases are not comparable. And you can't say, oh, just like over there, it has two words to teach me that one, te- one word teaches me about the other word. Uh, not true. Over there it has two words because it's redundant and it's okay to be redundant sometimes, even though you can write a for a kavahomer. The Torah likes to explain itself and that's okay. But here, um, there's no, it's, it, here the redundancy is inexcusable. It's okay to have a redundancy when you can learn one, a, a, one thing from a kavahomer to the other because the uh, Torah will save you a step, not have to go through a kavahomer. But here, it's not even a kavachomer. It's the very same person who's going from one stage to the other. And so here, the redundancy is just simply not excusable. And we're assuming that we, we're denying this principle that you'd have one word to teach me what the other word means, right? Because one word will be one step and the other then will be the next step, right? Abaya is denying that that is a rule and that that rule does not apply to Toshab and Sakhir. And therefore, that's not a rule in 
general. So Abaye gives a completely different answer. So according to Abaye, one of the words, that teaches me that she goes out as a ne'ara, because she's a ne'ara first, before she gets to bogedit. I don't have to deal with bogedit at all. So a regular, a regular healthy girl goes out, uh, she's not ma'ivriya, she goes out as a ne'ara. What's the extra word, en kasef? That teaches me regarding an ailonit. An ailonit is a, um, a girl, then woman, who has uh, lacks signs of physical development. She never matures, she cannot have children, so she never actually reaches a level of na'arut. Again, na'arut is when she sees two pubic hairs, she never sees that because she doesn't develop in that way. Uh, rather, she goes straight to becoming a, beg, a beged, um, a bogeret, uh, when she's 20 years old, right? That's the, that's the rule, right? We'll wait, we'll see. Uh, she's 12, 13, 14. She doesn't see any of these signs. But once she's 20, that's it. She is a bogeret. So actually she skips the uh, stage of na'arut. This is important because we were assuming, you know, it's okay to use shorthand and say 12 and 12 and a half, but actually it's not. It's dependent on phys- uh, a level of physical um, maturity that she doesn't have. So how would I know? Let's say an ailonit, is acquired as a Nama Ivriya, and now she's, um, she's uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, she still um, doesn't, get, doesn't get these signs, so does she never go free? And the answer of En Kasef is to teach me that an Ailunit will go free at age 20. So uh, that's a regular Na'ara who's healthy, En Kasef is a Bogeret who's an Ailunit. Otherwise, if without that, I might have thought that an only goes free as a na'ara, but by, as a bogeret, if she skips na'arut hood, then she never would go free. That's why I need an kasif. All right, that's Abaye's explanation for why we need both of these phrases. Um, uh, okay, but he agrees on the essential law. Challenges and says, actually, I could figure this out from my kava homer. If physical signs of maturity, um, they do not work to release someone from under the authority of her father, meaning a father can marry off his daughter as a kitana. He is allowed, continues to be allowed to marry off his daughter when she is a ne'ara. Even though she sees two hairs, she still remains under her father's authority. Uh, so, simanim do not release her from her father's authority, but they do release her from her master if she's an ama ivriya. So then, bagrut, um, which is more powerful and because once a daughter becomes a bogeret at 12 and a half, then her father loses the right to marry her off. So bagrut is more powerful than na'arut in terms of the, as we see, in the in case of a father and daughter, so all the more so, and Odin Shemosiyam Eshut Adon, Bagrut will be more powerful and allow her to go free 
and as an Amma I could figure that from a Kavachomer, and so then I would know that the Torah only has to teach me regarding uh, and I could figure out myself if there's an Ailonit who skips Na'arut, then she would still go free for in Bagrut because Bagrut is more powerful. And so, therefore, I don't need the double language. So now we have yet a third answer why we need a double language. says, I still need the extra Enkasif to teach me the very fact that an Ailonit can even be sold as an Amma Ivriya in the first place. I might have thought a girl who has the possibility of seeing two hairs eventually, she can be sold. But if you have a girl, an Ailonit, who will not see uh, signs of Na'arut ever, then she could not, she can't be sold in the first place. Therefore, it says the extra word, that's for a regular healthy girl. That's an kasef that will be given to an Ailonit once she becomes a Bogeret, but I still have to know that she can be sold in the first place, even though um, she won't be going out as a Ne'ara. Um, still, she can would be sold in the first place as an Amma Ivriya. All right. Now, next, uh, uh, one more question on Ulmor Barav Asher Damar Velav Kava Homer Hu Hamrinan Milita Dacha. Okay, according to Barav Asher, who said, "Isn't it a Kava Homer?" He said, "It is a Kava Homer." Um, I can learn. Um, I can learn Ailonit. Uh, uh, from the case of regular na'ara, from a kavachomer, because bagrut is more powerful. Um, but don't we have a rule that uh, it's okay to um, say an extra word, even though I could learn it from a kavachomer? So why do you have to use this the enkasif for something else? Why do you have to use enkasif for the fact that she can be sold in the first place? And you're arguing with Abaye. Why not agree with Abaye? Abaye said, I need um, enkasif to teach me that Ailonit goes free from uh, for, goes free as a bogeret. Morbad Abashes says, no, I already know the Farmakava Chomer. Yeah, but we have a rule that the Torah sometimes will get, say an extra word. It's not extra. It is extra because you can learn it from a kavachomer. But nevertheless, the Torah will give you um, an extra right cliff notes. Um, you can learn it from a kavachomer and do all things. But it's giving. It's going to give you the answer uh, to begin with. And sometimes it does that. So you don't actually have to learn yet something else from that word. And the answer to that is Okay, we only use this rule that the Torah bothers to say an extra word that I could have learned from. A when we have no other answer, all right. So then we're stuck. We say, okay, fine. It's an extra word. So I can uh, can do that. Um, but if there, if we have a better answer, well, we certainly would prefer to have a better answer. Okay. So this is really fascinating. Uh, so again, it's not that the Torah says extra words that just you know uh, are completely redundant, saying the same thing exactly twice. Torah's not going to do that. But if it's something that, yeah, I give you A, you could, if you sit down for, you know, a couple of hours, you could figure out B, um, but you still, you have to, you have to, you know, sit and know that kavachomer. are not always so obvious. Um, so the Torah will um, tell you both A and B, even though if you really tried hard, you could figure out B. Yes, it does that. Um, 
That is a that is a principle. Um, but uh, the rabbis would prefer not to use that if we can uh, if we can find a way that A and B teach completely different halachot that could not be figured out one from the other. Then that's preferable. We only fall back on this answer when we can't figure out any other reason why the Torah would say both laws. All right. Now we're all going all the way back to the first derivation that we already saw. By the, but this is actually the original place because, um, as I mentioned, the first daf is added on by Rabbanan Sevora E. So that uh, mention of Kicha Kicha is actually quoting this, not the other way around. Okay, so now we, well, now we learn that the Tana is learning this halacha that you can use Kesef for Kiddushin from a Kalvachom, from a Gezerah Shavah. It says if a man takes a woman, Kicha, um, and, uh, um, and, and so on, then he doesn't like her and divorces her, the rest of the law. So what is Kicha? Kicha means Kesef. Now when you say En Kicha Ela Kesef, um, this En Ela doesn't always mean literally that. That's the only meaning. It could have more than one meaning meaning. Um, but it certainly does mean that because we say, it says regarding Abraham, when he buys the field from Ephron, it says here, I have given you this field, take it from me, right? Take this money from me. So kicha is, um, is used in the context of a transaction with money. So, okay, that's the, that's the derivation from the, from kicha kicha. But now, uh, we're asking. Why do I need a gezerah shava? Can I learn kiddush kesef from a kalva chomer? From an ama ivriya, she cannot be acquired through bi'a. A master doesn't acquire a ma'ivriya through bi'a with her, but rather through buying her. It's a monetary transaction. Um, so a ma'ivriya, you cannot use bi'a, but you can use kesef. So you see, kesef is stronger than bi'a. Therefore, a wife who can be acquired through bi'a, that's kiddushin can be done with bi'a, all the more so that kesef should work, right? Because we just said kesef is stronger than bi'a, so kesef should certainly work for um, for a wife. So why do I need they, uh, a a um, a gezerah shavai could learn it from a kavachomer. And the answer is yavama tochiach. Yavama will break that kavachomer. Sheniknet bebi'ah benaniknet bekesef. A yavama, you can only wait to, for a yavam to acquire a yavama is through bi'ah and kesef doesn't work. So we see kesef is not always stronger than bi'ah. These are two different uh, actions that have two uh, that have separate applications, uh, but then we'll say to that Yeah, but yevama is completely different category because yevama you cannot acquire her with a contract, whereas a wife you can acquire with a contract. Contract is more similar to money, right? Contracts you use to acquire fields and things also. Um, so maybe we should forget about Yevama altogether and restore the Kalva Chomer and learn from Ama Ivriya that she can be uh, acquired with money 
uh, although not with bi'ah. So this uh, wife who can be acquired with bi'ah, all the more so she can be acquired with money. So now we restore the kavachomer. Even though we just restored the kavachomer, the, the um, we go back to the pasuk and say tamud lomar ki ishisha. We need the pasuk ki kach ishisha gezera shava. Okay, now we have to explain the structure. Ha lamali keda. Wait, why do I need the the pasuk? Ha tiala. We just so we just showed that we have a kavachomer. So to explain the structure here, amar av ashe. Because I, I have a challenge to the Kavachomer from all the way from the beginning, from the Amar Ivriya source. Amar makes sense that she can be acquired with money because she also is released with money. Right? At the end, uh, uh, someone wants to redeem the Amar Ivriya, they can pay money. Money, and uh, that's how she gets her freedom. Whereas for a marriage, you can't get out of a marriage by just giving the ring back or paying the husband. Um, uh, only works with get and mita tabaal. So you see that they are fundamentally different, and this breaks the kavachomer. That's why tamudamar ki kach ish. That's why I need the pasuk kicha kicha misadeh afron because I would not be able to learn it from a kavachomer. All right, good. So that's. Um, now we explain why we could, could not learn it from a Kalva Chomer. Now we want to know finally, why do we need two scriptural derivations for Kiddushe Kesef? I need the Pasuk from the double language and Kasef and that extra Yod. And I also need the Kikach Ish, that's the Kikach Kikach Mr. Efron. I need both of these to teach me Kiddushe Kesef. Havamina kedushin di havla baal di dahavu. If you only had kicha kicha misteafron, so who receives money when they sell something, right? The the seller by get gets the money. So I might think that also here that she is selling herself in a way, selling the right uh, for anyone to marry her, so that she, therefore she should get the money. In all cases, I would think that the wife receives the case, receives the money, even if she's a minor and she has a father. That's what I would think. That's why I need the pasuv yaseachinam and kasef and kasef laadon ze. Avayesh kasef laadon acher to teach me that the father receives the money when she when the when he marries off his minor daughter. That's why I need yaseachinam. V'katav rachamana yaseachinam havamina hechad yavale ihi ledide v'kidashto havu kidushe katav rachamana ki ikach velo ki tikach. If I only had the second, the, the Pasuk V'yasachinam, I would think that, let's say, she, the bride, uh, gives the groom a a, uh, a ring, right? And say, I would think that maybe that's also okay, right? You could do it this way, you could do it that way. We're very egalitarian. Um, therefore, the Pasuk says, no, ki ikach. Ish isha, the man has to take the woman. He has to acquire the woman. He is the buyer, and uh, the buyer has to give money to the seller. Uh, whether the seller is her, she herself, or her father is giving over that right. So he has to has to be one way. He has to give the money, and he has to say, "Hareat mekudeshet li." Okay, good. Now we finish with kidushe kidushe kesef. Next. 
the um, Kiddushin can also be effectuated through Bi'ah. How do you know that? Because the Pasuk says, Kikach ish isha ub'ala, he has relations with her. So that's how we know you can do Kiddushin with Bi'ah. Now we ask, wait a second. This is all now part of the Braita. We're switching off. We quoted, we quoted the Braita, then we analyzed it. Now we're going to quote the next section of the Braita. And then we're going to have a similar analysis. Uh, so the Braita says, Why do I need um, this Pasuk? I could figure out from my Kavachomer. I can learn from a Yevama. Yevam and Yevama, he cannot acquire her with money, but he can acquire her with Bi'ah. So Bi'ah is stronger than money. Uh, so then a bride who can be acquired through money, all the more so, Bi'ah should work. Bi'ah is stronger than money. No, Amavriyah will be will break that kavachomer sheniknet bekesef veniknet bbiah because a master can acquire Amavriyah with money, but not with bi'ah. So we see that bi'ah is not always stronger than kesef. However, mala Amavriyah shen kinyana l'shum ishut ma bezoshi kinyana l'shum ishut. Now we say, hold on, leave Amavriyah out of it. That acquisition is only for is is to acquire her work as a slave but that's not for marriage so leave that totally out and compare the other two that are more similar uh, Yevama and a bride are both uh, being acquired for the purpose of marriage so the Kavachomet is good Tamud Lomar Uba'ala and then the, the uh, Braita ends therefore we learn Uba'ala now okay we have to ask about the structure because we ended up saying we have a good Kavachomet and then it says Tamud Lomar Uba'ala so now we have to explain. Wait a second. Why do I need the pasuk? We just said that you have a kavachomer. Ravashe explains because in between here there's yet another question. Besides the challenge to the kavachomer that we presented and, and explained, there is actually another challenge that we, we are, are suggesting from the very source. Mehecha kamaititla miyevama. What's the source of your kabachomer? Yevama. Ma liyevama sheken zikuka veomedet. Yevama, why is our work in Yevama? Because she's already standing, uh, awaiting, right? She has a connection. She can't marry anybody else. She's almost like she's mikudeshet in some way already. Once the husband dies, she is ready, waiting, for the act of Yibum. And that's why Yibum works for Yevama. But that's not true for a regular bride. She's just a regular single woman and she has no connection at all to this particular uh, guy who's going to be her, her the, the groom. And so I would think that there, you can't just jump right into Bi'ah. It's not going to work. First, you have to do Kiddush HaKesef. Then it establishes a, uh, a relationship of exclusivity. And then afterwards, you could do Nisu'in with Bi'ah. So, I'm at these, uh, so I uh, would think that Yevama is not comparable to a regular bride who is single. That's why I need the Pasuk, Uba'ala. So now we explained the, uh, the Braita in full. Um, so we totally, so far we finished explaining the source, in fact two sources for Kiddush uh, Kesef, and we ex examined the source for Bi'ah and explained why that's not a Kavachomer and tomorrow we'll start off with the derivation for Kiddushin Bishtar. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.